0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us as he does every week at 10 o'clock, and I'll...
2: I got a feeling
1: he's been out catching some fish, and I'm going to rely on our next couple segments to get me up to speed, because I've been traveling a lot. Mr. Nate Zelinsky. Good morning. Good
3: morning, Terry. How's you today?
1: I, I'm doing great. You know, I was, I was kind of trying to let people know I wasn't complaining. When we opened the show, I just got back, Karen and I got back last night. We were in Las Vegas for Garth Brooks, and now we're here today doing the show, and tomorrow we leave to Minnesota to go fishing, but... I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me. It's just because I'm both in the outdoor industry and the music industry, it's just part of the price I pay and I, I don't you know, I don't I take it on myself because it's my penance and I don't want people to feel bad for me.
3: Right, yeah, it's a real hard life and uh yeah, I uh I'll tell you what, Terry, we appreciate you uh going through the grind of, of all that travel just for us. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I could share with people some notes you sent to Karen and I that you we're starting to train you in the same aspect. <laughs> I agree. I
3: agree. I, uh, I deserve that one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on here in Colorado? I'll tell you, Terry, it, uh, it has been an unbelievable week of fishing and I, uh, I'm in kind of that time of year where my schedule is all over the place and kind of for, for a cool thought, but, um, there's no doubt it, it takes, uh, it takes a challenge to do it, but, I mean, this last week, I pike fish and had a tremendous couple of days of pike. I fly fished still water. I uh, had some tremendous days. I did conventional tackle for trout. I lake trout fish and I walleye fish. So um, it, it's tough to do that as a guide because I've literally been all over the state, but it's that time of year where everything's happening. So a uh, lot going on, a lot of changing conditions, but honestly, Terry, it's that time of year to where – we're kind of past that cold water state in early May where some of our fish, you know, aren't as active as others were at that time of year where, you know, depending if you're in, in low country down into the front range or up in the high country, our water temperatures are where they need to be and the fish are active pretty much all species wide. So uh, fishing is fantastic.
1: You know, and we've had a lot of changes in water levels and boat ramps too. You might want to bring us up to speed on that.
3: Absolutely. We can kind of do uh, just a general update. So we're excited that Cherry Creek water levels have uh, receded, and and Cherry Creek is open for boating as of yesterday. Uh, So we're really excited about that. So Cherry Creek is open. Uh, The fish are are active. Uh, Again, there's a ton of food in the fishery. So I think some anglers are kind of looking at the higher water level, and they're like, oh, man, it really changed things. We're just dealing with some well-fed fish. But that bite is going uh, all is well with that bite but I will say you have to really hone into those fish. Uh, If you make the fish at Cherry Creek right now work too hard for a meal, uh, you're not going to see that fish. So really cater to these fish when you're hopping a jig, hop it low, keep it in their face. When you're live bait rigging, make sure those techniques are are pretty accurate. Uh, But if you're on those fish, you're going to catch them. But again, don't uh, don't think that those fish are gonna to work too hard for a meal at cherry Creek so that's kind of that bite chatfield water level uh, remained high from last week's show we're up almost 13 more inches um, so this water level is now a above the high water mark of where they were anticipate the lake being through the construction. Uh, honestly, Terry, there are fish everywhere. So at Chatfield, um, I keep talking to a lot of anglers. This week, we saw walleye on structure as deep as 35 feet. We caught walleye on, like, flooded grass shorelines in two feet of water and everything in between. So I would say if I were going to fish Chatfield, what my advice would be on the walleye side of things um, is I would look for two concepts. I would look for shallower structure. So points extending out into the lake. Those points, you can fish those in 8 to 12 feet, you're going to catch walleye. As far as the flooded timber goes, the true concept here, they want a steeper shoreline. So there's now shores at Chatfield that it's Thinned up a quarter mile, a half mile, and it's a real slow taper through the trees. Those fish are spread out in that, and it's a little harder to target them. If you can find a steeper shoreline, uh, say from like Massey Draw to Eagle Point, Somewhere where the shore is steep and there's still now flooded timber up against that steeper shoreline, those steeper shorelines are producing a ton of fish. So in regards to fishing the the new flooded kind of areas of the lake, you really want to focus on the steeper banks, not the slow, drawn-out ones. Um, And that's going to catch a lot of those fish. Our bass have kind of spread out, so you can literally go on the dam and those fish just slip up uh, so super easy, uh, or you can start targeting the the large ones and the small ones and all the flooded timber. Again, we have so much new flooded stuff. Those fish have spread out, so I would say that power fishing is probably the technique to do until you find fish. Once you find fish, slow down. But again, the the reservoirs almost doubled in size, so please keep that in mind when fishing Chatfield. Uh, but the fish are going, and the nice thing about Chatfield, I will say, even though the water has came up so high. It is clear, so there's a, a little bit of a tint to it. By no means is it dirty, typical flood water. A lot of times, you're used to these reservoirs coming up, and it kind of brings that chocolate milk or chocolate soup with it. Um, that is not the case in Chapel. but water is clear and very fishable. Um, as you go up, super excited yesterday. Spinny open for boating, so Spinning Mountain Reservoir is now open to trailer boats. Um, fishing is good. Uh, We're now at that stage for the Stillwater fly bite. It was a mid-bite. It was big corona um uh, for about the last three weeks. In the last two days, Terry, we now see everything. We have calabatus, which is that mayfly. We have damsels. Um, we're even starting to, you know, see just various other smaller midges in that phase. So I would say, with the advancement of new bugs starting to hatch as we approach June, uh, a wide variety of flies are working in those fish are spread out. So you can target fish as shallow as two, three feet of water, and all the way out to twenty feet of water. So the trout are spread out of the intero, or excuse me, at Um I again. I'm kinda sticking to my concepts like I talked about last week. We're we're doing a lot of fly fishing in the really Still morning conditions. And then the second we get that afternoon chop, we're switching over to, to swimming tube jigs or fishing, you know, spoons like a Castmaster or a Tasmanian Devil. And it's doing wonders. So that's kind of that concept there. The pike at both 11 mile and spinny are going good. Those pike are sitting in deeper water. So the pike are in about 12 to 18 feet of water. And they've been sitting as shallow as four feet below the surface as deep as about 12 feet below the surface. So the pike are suspended above weeds. big bait. So big swim bait, big stick bait. That's how we're catching those pike. And then Antero, not much has changed. Fly bite's been tremendous in the morning. Um, Afternoon, when the wind comes, we're fishing over those spoons. Just like I mentioned, it's spinning, uh, and it's fishing very well. All the fisheries in South Park are clean water. Uh, So all of them have clean water. You you have some weeds kind of floating around if it's a really windy day, the previous day. So if it's windy today, you'll have some kind of floating weeds tomorrow. Uh, But in general, all the fisheries are clean water, uh, and everything's fishing really well.
1: I have a couple quick questions for you about water conditions. I'll bunch them together, then I'll let you answer Uh, Cherry Creek, you said, is open for boating. I heard that, too. I heard only one boat ramp. I'll have you answer if it's one or both. The other thing is with the water being up high at Chatfield, a lot of lakes in other areas, and this might apply to Cherry Creek, too, you could answer it, we're getting debris in the water. Now, Cherry Creek is higher than it's been in years, so I could understand debris. Uh, Chatfield was close to that high a couple years ago. What's both the double boat ramp situation at Cherry Creek and the debris in the water situation.
3: Yeah, so so starting with Cherry Creek, the west boat ramp is open right now. I anticipate the, the east ramp opening soon, but right now, seven days a week, the west boat ramp is open. Uh, there is a lot of road damage going to and from the east to the west side of the park. Um, so I encourage people, uh, if you're going to make sure that there's no traffic issues. Want to make sure you get to your destination. I am entering the park on the west side uh, off of Yosemite, and, and that way I can get to that boat dock easily, not have to commute around the park if they're doing construction uh, on some of those areas that were kind of washed out. So, again, west boat ramp at Cherry Creek, and I am accessing the park from the west side. There's a little bit of debris floating around, all the bigger logs and the really big debris. The park has done a great job and has removed uh, almost all the big stuff. There's still some floating, you know, small pieces, but in general, I'm not really worried about debris at Cherry Creek. At Chatfield, both ramps are open, the north and the south. Ramp Uh, inspection hours are 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. at Chatfield, and again, I'd say we have a little bit more debris there. Again, the parks have done a a great job of removing all the big tree trunks and all the big stuff, but with so much water still coming into Chatfield and Chatfield still on the rise, uh, I would say there's probably a little bit more debris at Chatfield, Uh, you know, and it's one of those things that overnight. You know you have logs and debris in the shoreline trees you get one wind direction change it can break free so regardless i, I would use caution uh at both fisheries when you're getting out there especially first thing in the morning but uh, i will say you will see more debris at chatfield than you will cherry creek
1: and you said you're seeing <clears throat> a bass bite start to take off at chatfield uh, what kind of presentations or are you catching them incidentally while you're walleye fishing
3: so I would say the, the vast majority of the fish that I personally am catching uh, have been afternoon and awake walleye fishing. But when I have done some bass techniques, uh, you know, we are really searching those fish with crankbaits. Uh, and then once we find them, really slowing down. I would say if I had one technique, it'd probably be a Ned rig. But you know, throwing a square bill, throwing you know something that you can cover some water with, find the fish, locate the fish, uh, and then slow down to catch those fish is going to be a pretty dynamite technique. But overall, I would say I'm seeing the slower techniques like a Ned rig probably produce the most fish in the last couple of days here. You know,
1: another thing, I'll I'll point something out and I had this discussion with folks at In Fishermen and you know the Ned Rig has become so popular, I have them in my boat and we've seen people go from the shaky head jig to the net Rig and fish are seeing a lot of that rig. They're still hitting it, but I wouldn't be afraid to take about a two and a half inch crawfish type tube, put it on a jig head, and that used to be just one of the best bass baits of all time, especially smallmouth. And I would think you may outfish that Ned
3: rig because they're seeing so many of them. I agree 100. percent I, I don't think that we're really seeing the fish gun shy on the Ned rig, but I think the tube is more versatile. So if you take, especially a small one, like a two and a half inch tube, but instead of fishing it with that 16 ounce or 8 pounds, like so many anglers are doing with that kind of Ned rig ish approach to that really light, I'd bump it up to you know a quarter three eight. It allows you to cover more water, so you can then take one presentation. Swim jig it to where you're never touching bottom. Hop it on bottom like a jig or even just throw it out and, and pretty much dead stick it like a net rig. So you can take one presentation, cover more water, find the fish, slow it down, um, and be more efficient. So that's probably my, my favorite tactic with the tube and why I think the tube uh, in a lot of situations can be even more powerful because you can you know basically swim it so many more options. Uh, so I do love that. And I think that's a great point there, Terry. And then the last
1: thing, uh, as far as conditions, um, we heard earlier today from uh, Dan Shannon that
3: Williams Fork Reservoir, Reservoir opened. Have you guys fished that at all yet? I was officially the first boat to launch at Williams Fork Reservoir yesterday morning. Uh, Terry and I had the the best lake trout bite I've had in probably about 10, 12 years. Uh, very fortunate, Josh Sedevy and I were both up there, both in separate boats. Uh, I ended the day with eight lake trout that were 38 inches or larger. Our biggest fish went 41 inches. Uh, Josh Sedeby, uh squeaked off a 10-fish day of those big fish. Uh, so we saw in total with, like, on a team tight line, we saw 18 lake trout. Uh, Josh had a couple of 35s in there. But in general, 35 to 41-inch fish, uh, Williams-Hork is fishing incredible. Uh, There's a lot of debris floating in there, so I would use caution uh, there when launching that boat. And same thing, that water is screaming up as far as uh, climbing in elevation. So there's a ton of water coming in there. Uh, Water temperatures are 52 degrees. Lake trout were across the board. We saw fish as shallow as 10 feet, as deep as 60 feet. Uh, However you want to target those lake trout, you're going to catch them. You control for them. You can cast for them. You can jig for them. Uh, but, yeah, pretty incredible bite up there at Williams Fork.
1: Well, and it's probably going to slow down a little as water temperatures come up, but they'll stay down with the water coming in. <clears throat> but a big factor that's really affecting it is there been no pressure on that lake till yesterday. Those big fish get a little bit – they lose some of their caution. They will get a little educated again. They'll be there, but it's probably the next few days to a week or two is when you're going to have the easiest chance, I think.
3: I agree 100% Terry it showed yesterday morning uh I think for all for everybody listening that is a a fairly hardcore lake trout fishermen, especially on the larger size, the Trophy Lake Trout, um, they know it's the lightest, most finicky bite you've ever had. Uh, Yesterday, their guard was down, and they were absolutely hammering the bait. So, uh, it was a joy to see, and not something you see that often. So, I I would definitely say there's a lot of boats up there. I'm seeing a lot of fish get caught up there today. Um, So, it's one of the things I think those fish will catch on pretty quick, but uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. I know Lake Trout across the board. Uh, Blue Mesa was fishing very well in the last three days. Taylor opened last weekend uh, for boating and it's fishing unbelievable. That's probably the, the hottest lake trout fishery I'd say in the state right now as far as big fish go. Taylor just last week uh, has been on fire. Uh, Twin Lakes has been taking a lot of pressure so it seems like it's been a little bit slower of the fisheries, uh, but all of them are fishing really well. I know Gramby's fishing well. Uh, again, Williams Fork obviously is fishing really well so lake trout uh, are on the mine and that bite's been hot. So it's one of those things, pick your poison, but there's a lot of fishing opportunity uh, in the state of Colorado right
1: now there certainly is and it should get just better for the next few weeks before the conditions start more drastic changes and last thing
3: what do you got coming up you know we're really excited we got cuts rate this Wednesday we got a big bonus prize this coming Wednesday uh so check our Facebook page this is Tightland Outdoors check our website Tightland Outdoors I know we've been getting a ton of calls about Father's Day so whether you're looking to get on one of these hot bites that we're talking about right now whether you're looking for a gift card for Father's Day you want to come see us in person we encourage everybody to Come out to Catch Rate. We're really excited about it. Uh, Reynolds Roofing Systems is putting on pizza and drinks for everybody after the event. Uh, So whether you're looking for guide trips and information, a gift card or Catch Rate, uh, everything's on our Facebook page or our website. But, again, Catch Rate is this coming Wednesday, uh, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'd love everybody to come out for that. And then, yeah, uh, stay tuned. We're trying to do more updates on all the conditions. And, uh, yeah, we're having a great time. So let's know what we can do for you. All right, my friend. We got to go. Talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye.
1: All right, Nate Zelensky, we'll take a quick time out. and we come back, Brad Peterson is going to join us. We'll continue updates covering the Northeast and some other fishing opportunities in Colorado. Ontario Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wicks Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. I want to get plenty of time in with this gentleman. Joining us is Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, I want to, uh, want to get a conditions update, and then I want to get to a caller that texted us and he said he's a trout angler in Arvada. he wants to learn other fish he wants some tips on how to do that want to try to address that but before we we even start with either of those you and i both had posts you had it on your no-co report and i had it on terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook and that's about cast for kids cast for kids is a tremendous opportunity folks were disadvantaged kids some of them are in wheelchairs they all have some issue But they get them out fishing once a year, and there's two events in Colorado. One at Chatfield is the end of July, but there's one at Horsetooth that's next weekend. They need more boaters, volunteer boaters. This could be the most rewarding thing you've ever done in your life. And, Brad, you've got it on your NOCO report with a description. I'll let you tell people in a minute where they can get that. But if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and click on the picture of the kid on the boat, you will uh, you, take you right to the Horsetooth event. And Brad, uh, I know you have a couple of comments on that.
2: Yeah, this is, this is just a great event. It's been going on for a long time. The, the Centennial Bass Club puts it on, and this is, you know, as you say, it's going to be one of the most rewarding fishing activities you can be a part of. And I know as of just a couple days ago, they still were about 10 boats short. Uh, so that they could get all 40-plus families out on the water. And this event, you know, it's rewarding for the kids. It's re- rewarding for the people that participate in it. Um, they have a breakfast there, so you're able to get that, a great lunch. They do awards for the kids. It's, it's just a little bit over a half-a-day commitment, but it's absolutely
1: worth it. And how can they find it on your information?
2: You can go to uh, nocofishingnews.substack.com and click on the May 26th post and right in there is the information and a link to get more of the details about the event and how you can help out. And Like I
1: said, or you can go to Terry Wicksham Outdoors on Facebook and click. It'll take you right to the horse to event. All right, so the temperatures are rising. We're getting the summer, late spring, summer-like conditions. I think things are
2: starting to pop. What's going on, Brad? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, we finally have got some semi-stable weather, and so the bites have really started turning on, um, particularly out on that I-76 corridor. The lakes that had kind of been a little bit, slow to start, are finally getting going. I know you had someone on from Jackson earlier today and they talked about the fishing going on out there. Uh, the wipers are starting to fire up and a lot of those are 18 inches or better Then you keep going out a little further. And one of the kind of overlooked lakes on the I-76 corridor and that's Pruitt. Pruitt has probably the best walleye bite going on of any of them right now. So that's one that uh, is is a good opportunity to get out to. It's less crowded. It's a no-wake lake. So if you're worried about real heavy boat traffic on this holiday weekend, that might be one to think about. Do be cautious at Pruitt. um, With the boat ramp out there, it can get tough to launch or to load up your boat if the wind really gets rolling. So just pay attention to the weather, but on those days that it's nice out, man, it's it's great to get out to a lake that doesn't have big boats uh, just buzzing by you all, all day long. And then Sterling is completely full, and the walleyes are starting to pick up a better bite than we saw any time last year for the walleyes. So that one on the I-76 corridor is another one to think about going out to, I'm I'm looking at probably hitting Sterling middle of next week,
1: and so you know they're going to just get better and better as the water warms them. I think most of them have are full or close to full, have good water, so that's a great sign. What about Boyd right here, right here in uh, Loveland? It was low, but I hear the water's coming
2: in pretty fast. Yeah, they're they're putting almost 800 cfs in the lake right now, and since Sunday, Boyd has raised seven feet. Uh, as of yesterday, so it may even be up further today. Uh, with that water coming in, it has dirtied up a lot of the lake, particularly there's the south end where there's water coming in and then the Marina Cove, but uh, in that Marina Cove area, the white bass are just concentrated from the mouth of the cove all the way back to where the water comes in, and if you want to get out and catch some fish and just have good action, Those white bass are tough to beat. And one of the nice things about when they're concentrated in that cove, shore anglers are catching just as many fish as the boat anglers. And, you know, so just go down there. Make sure to give the the person next to you a little bit of room. Those fish are cruising in there. using. I, I saw people catching them on flies. You know, some people are catching them on spinners. Uh, I was out there yesterday, and the best lure I found was a paddle tail um, on, you know, quarter-ounce jig head, just slowly retrieved straight back. And there were when those schools of fish would come by, it was a bite on every cast.
1: Yeah, it can be just phenomenal. We're gonna run out of time here pretty soon, so I wanna get to our our friend's question. Now, we're not gonna make a multi-species angler out of him him in the next couple minutes, but he's a trout angler. I'm gonna assume from shore. He didn't say in his text, but he wants to know the best way to learn other fish. I'll give you a couple of my pointers and then I'll let you respond. One is don't try to learn everything at once. Figure out if you want, what do you wanna go to next? If you're a shore angler, you might wanna go bass or panfish. And but you, but you want a different rod for both of those. So make sure you have good gear. Go to whoever your favorite tackle dealer is. There's there's a Jacks in Broomfield and Lafayette that can help you out. There's a lot of small tackle shops. There's big stores all around. Go talk to them. Say I want to become a bass fisherman. Don't go to a bait casting rod right away. Go to just a heavier spinning rod unless you already have that. Or if you're going to do panfish, go to a lighter spinning rod. Now you may already have that gear. But once you decide, then get a handful of presentations that apply to that type of species and maybe start in the ponds and the
2: smaller lakes. What would you say, Brad? Yeah, that's, that's you hit the nail on the head there, Terry. Um, your trout rod may double for a panfish rod if you've got a lighter trout rod. So you might not need to get a new rod for panfish, but you'll need to get some new presentations. And, and maybe get kind of that, that medium power rod for some bass. But the easiest way to learn and to really get a handle on it is to approach the ponds in the area. They fish well all year long. You know, like we just talked about the white bass, that's a great opportunity to go catch fish from shore, use some of your trout techniques and catch some warm water fish. But as soon as that water turns off, which is going to be in the next 10 days to two weeks, that bite goes away. So, if you want to spend the summer learning how to catch, you know, some new warm water species, go to the ponds, target those areas, and look for the panfish being crappie and bluegill, the predominant panfish in the ponds around here, and the largemouth bass. That's going to be your easiest way to learn and to work your way around. If you go to a pond and you aren't seeing much activity, much life going, because usually There's going to be some fish up shallow with a good pair of polarized glasses. You're going to see some activity. If that's not happening, there's another pond just a few miles away, and don't be afraid to go on and and try the next one. But once you find those ponds, you're going to be able to learn quite a bit quicker than if you just try to target big reservoirs. Yeah, we are out of time, but
1: then don't try to learn every presentation. Learn one or two and move on. i tell you what, we'll try to cover this some more next week, too, because it's not a process that's going to happen overnight. Brad, if people want more
2: information from you, how do they get a hold of you? You can reach me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet, Brad Peterson, just uh, always a great resource. Take a quick time up. We're going to switch things up and do some shooting with uh, JR from uh, Colorado Clays here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Clays is JR Pierce. Good morning, JR. Good morning, Terry. What a beautiful morning it is, too, huh? Isn't it great out? Oh,
4: oh it's, it's beautiful, Terry. I mean, everything is green. The sun is out. What a great day to do some shooting, I'll tell you.
1: It is. I want to talk about a shooting tip that you and I have been doing shooting tips. But before we get to that, you have an event coming up, your casting Clays. And this is an opportunity because I tend to get the same people back for this every time, and it's hard to get in this. But every now and then, a few people have schedule conflicts, and they can't do it. And I think that's the case, that you might have an opening or two. Is that right?
4: Actually, Terry, I have three spots left this year, which for the last week is amazing. The tournament is a week from tomorrow, Sunday, June 4th, and uh, we're still only $100 a team. The only reason we lose teams is if somebody's out of town or has something happen. So I have three spots, and I'd love to get some new folks in on this.
1: Well, tell people about it. Describe the event.
4: The event's very straightforward, Terry. Uh, It's a fishing-shooting combination event. We spend the first four hours of the event at Bar Lake from 7 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. fishing. Um, Everybody comes off the lake and gets one point per inch on the game fish they catch. We come out to Colorado Clays, have a great lunch, and then each team shoots 100 targets on our sporting clays course. Uh, We then come up, tally everything up, have a snack, and then start giving away prizes for everything from um, high scores, um, biggest fish, and so on. Uh, Lots of good prize money because TransWest Buick always throws in some extra money. Uh, Terry, but this day really is a, a, a focus on fishing and shooting fun but it's very friend and family oriented our friends at uh, Cabela's and Bass Pro donate a bunch of prizes every year and we give away those prizes to categories for parents and children for co-eds for you know perhaps husband wife teams or even friends uh, prizes for kids whether they were involved in the tournament or not uh always good with them and of course we have a delicious lunch every year cuz that's donated by Ramos Law uh always um, Ramos Law gets behind us we appreciate that from Joe and then of course you know parks and wildlife Michelle and the crew always make thing make sure things are safe and smooth for us on this tournament so Terry it's just a fantastic day of fun
1: yeah and that's next uh next weekend tell us the date and time again
4: Yep, Sunday, June 4th. If you want to register, give us a call. We can do an over-the-phone credit card and lock your spot in. Um, And we'll start at uh, 7 o'clock Sunday morning at Bar Lake. And your contact
1: information, the easiest way to remember that, because a lot of people are driving, is just go to coloradoclays.com,
4: right? Yeah, you can go to coloradoclays.com. If you don't uh, get the phone number from there, just call us on the phone, and we can register you right over the phone right now. forms are here on the counter ready to go
1: all right my friend we've been giving shooting tips over the last few weeks and uh different disciplines both handguns rifles a lot of shotgunning one of the things especially on shotgunning but this is true of any shooting but one of the things that you say we really need to talk about is keeping your head on the gun through the shot
4: yeah and that and that's very true Terry and I'm going to step back just a small amount here so you know as Colorado's number 1 public access recreational shooting facility Uh, Colorado Clay's has tens of thousands of people visit us annually to do you know whatever type of shooting they like and whatever types of firearms they have whether it's rifle pistols or shotguns and they can of course choose from the multitudes of options we offer here at Colorado Clay's from you know the simple friends and family outings beginner courses and classes trap skeet wobble traps sporting clays corporate fundraiser leagues competition hunting preparation you name it and the list goes on and on But, you know, Terry, as I said, as people try to improve their skills, one of the most common mistakes is simply not following through with the shot. Um, And we have many folks visit other sports like golf or basketball, and the follow-through concept makes perfect sense to them because it is so important in taking shots in those sports as well. And uh, one thing you and I were talking about the other day, Terry, is the common reasons for lack of follow-through and or lifting your head from the gun, which therefore stops you short, um, is something we can go over here. Remembering that the shot is not over when you pull the trigger is probably the number one people can do to uh, help themselves get better at shooting.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, pulling the trigger, that's why we talk about uh, with a lot of the disciplines how important dry fire can be because when you're shooting a gun and there's an explosion and recoil and, and all those things going on, you tend to get distracted by that. But if you dry fire, you can tell, am I staying down? Did I see where my gun was pointed when the actual click took place? And afterwards, that's a great way to start out, don't you think?
4: Yeah, it really is, Terry, because you can see things that you can't see uh, when the gun discharges. Now, like we said, lifting your head off of the gun, a lot of times people do that simply um, to see what happened when they took the shot. But oftentimes they're lifting the head before the shot is finished and therefore messing up a good follow-through. Another thing that will bring a person's head off the gun is the recoil anticipation. Uh, Lifting your head, sometimes people will push into the firearm because of recoil, pulling the gun off target, and a lot of people close their eyes, Terry. So the dry fire exercise can certainly help with that. Uh, Another common problem is poor gun fit. So if it's uncomfortable when your firearm discharges, people tend to lift away from that creating the same scenario and of course oftentimes just a poor stance um, uh, on a shotgun if your body is not in a position that you can twist and follow through on your shot that'll mess it up too and uh, you know terry like I say the probably the number one solution to flush this out is the dry fire um, there's also follow through drills a person can do So oftentimes the high-end shotgun shooters take a shot if they hit the target they'll find a piece of it and follow it all the way to the ground if they miss the target get back on it and follow it all the way to the ground So a short follow through doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, On rifle, I told you this last time, Terry, oftentimes uh, that that high dollar pellet gun has done more for my center fire shooting than anything because I don't have the recoil and I'm able to keep my head in the gun and watch the shot happen through the scope. And just that uh, repetition of proper follow through can really transfer over. Um, oftentimes, adjusting your load so that it is comfortable to shoot, adjusting your scope on a rifle so that your eye relief is good, and then, of course, there's a lot of different types of recoil compensation for shotguns, rifles, uh, sometimes pistols, and Terry, I know you're the pistol guy, but I'll tell you what. Uh, a good stance, body position, grip, sight picture, and sight adjustment are all very important. There, I would say a short session with one of the Colorado Clays pros can make a world of difference in the shortest time.
1: Well, I'll tell you, with the pistols even, because we all get guilty no matter how seasoned we think we are, when Karen and I practice, we start out with a twenty two pistol that's very similar in size and shape to our self-defense guns, and we shoot... A number working on things like sight picture and trigger uh, pull and you know gun position, all those things, body position, because we're not even thinking about the recoil on that 22 and we shoot much more accurately, and after we do a few rounds, maybe you know, 20, 30 rounds each with that 22, we're much more ready to pick up our other guns and and, do, and just do a better job because we've kind of conditioned our response. And then when we practice with our self-defense guns, we don't, uh, we don't shoot the plus-P high-powered cartridges that we have loaded for self-defense. What we do is we shoot just target rounds, full metal jackets, they're less po- less powerful. And because we, we know we've shot those other rounds through the gun, we know it'll be accurate. But we don't need that higher impact, that higher recoil and during an actual stress situation, you won't notice that, so you can practice with the lesser ammo.
4: Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Terry. Anything, uh, shooting that twenty two pistol very close to a dry fire exercise, uh, shooting the lighter loads... People uh, generally find that they need to focus more on all of the um, mechanics of a shot before uh, they move on to uh, shooting a load that might be more appropriate for what they're doing. And I always recommend... Shoot the lightest, most comfortable load that'll get the job done for you. And as you said, Terry, definitely uh, the dry fire or the lighter load practice is going to up your game a bunch, and especially when it comes to go time. You know, one final thing I was thinking the other day, too, Terry, on follow through Uh, this one applies to you. Uh, You haven't followed through with buying me dinner in Fort Collins. I never offered. Uh, you're getting some years on it. I was hoping your memory was slipping, but all right. It was worth yeah, a try. Right. <laughs> worth a try.
1: <laughs> one, one, one quick thing before we go. You have a new league called the Bowling Pin League. Tell us about that real quick.
4: Uh, Terry, this is just such a fun night. These are uh, Wednesdays from 5 to 7.30 p.m. starting June 14th. And what it is, Terry, it's a uh, head-to-head elimination-type competition where basically shooters race each other using a handgun to knock up to five pins off of a table before your opponent. This thing is handicapped so that everybody comes in, they do the practice rounds, everybody is shooting Um, based on their level, the number of pins on the table is based on your shooting ability. Uh, and there's a winner and loser bracket, and you don't get out until you've, um, you know, lost two times. So it's just such a fun evening. Great practice if you are a pistol shooter. Uh, you know, everybody likes to target shoot and sit there and think about it, but this is a really good reaction, learn to use your gun type of game. Uh, it's only $40 uh, per shooter, Terry, and 10 of that goes to the prize, 10 to pay for the pins, the tables, and lumber, and 20 of it is just for your range fee, which is a really good discounted fee. And it's open to anybody, any skill level, uh, maximum 20 shooters per um, league, and uh, we still have a few opportunities there, so definitely give us a call on that as well.
3: We are out of
1: time. i got to let you go, but coloradoclays.com. If you want more information, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you, Terry. Bye. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
0: You're and listening
1: you're to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> going to wrap a couple things up here. One is on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, I posted about the cast for kids. First of all, if you like this show, you should follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Anyway, we we put up links to videos. We give you up-to-date reports when we're in the field. And we put links to the podcasts from this show in case you want to go out and review one of the things we talked about during the week. Of course, you can listen to all of our podcasts at denversports.com. Uh, but Cast for Kids is this great event where they take disadvantaged kids. And a lot of them are physically challenged. Some are in wheelchairs. Some just are going to need help getting in and out of the boat. But they need some more boats. They have an event at Horsetooth on uh, next week, June 3rd. And they're short a few boats. They take out about 40 kids. You get a meal. You get the, It's a half-day event. It's just the most rewarding time you'll spend in your life. For more information, if you can volunteer next Saturday or you know somebody that can, go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, check out that link, and share the post. Let's get these kids out there, get them fishing. Uh, Conditions are taking off everywhere. Boat ramps are opening up. The fishing is picking up. We're getting into that spring transition into summer weather. The outdoors, this is going to be it, folks. This is the time. We need to be out there enjoying it having a great time, so get out there and enjoy it. Remember, next week is free fishing. Uh, everybody can fish Saturday and Sunday without a fishing li- license. So anybody, take that old gear, dust it off, go out to a stock, check the stocking report, go out to a pond and catch some trout. Now, is Dan Jacobs there?
0: Now, do you need a license when you fish, Terry, considering you don't ever catch anything? <laughs> I need, like, three licenses to cover everything I catch. All right. Hey, I got a question for you, though. Serious question. We okay. were talking about the Eagles on the show, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago. I just watched a documentary on Glenn Frey. Okay. And, you know, it's was talking about the breakup and this and that. And I, I had not realized that Glenn Frey, I thought he was kind of like a, you know, a, a, you know, guitarist and this and that and a songwriter. I didn't realize he sang so much for, I I thought it was more Don Henley did most of the singing, that type of thing. So I was a little bit surprised. Then a listener texted in and said, no, Dan, no. It, I, it was mainly Don Henley's band. If you ask anybody in the band, if you would have asked Glenn Fry, he would have said the same thing. It was mainly Don Henley's band. What say you? Uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry were pretty much equals in the band. They were both
1: playing in a, ba- in a band that backed up, um, oh, I'm going blank on her name, Linda Ronstead. Yes. And they wanted to cut records on their own, so they asked for permission. In fact, it was Fry who asked for permission initially, and she said, Yeah, you should have Don Hanley with you. They were roommates, and Fry was totally impressed with uh, Henley singing, but Henley wasn't as good a writer as Fry, and they very much were equals in the band. There were some others, too, but those were the two mainstays until Fry's death, and they were the two guys that did most of the vocals and wrote most of the songs.
0: Okay, so Fry would not have just said, oh, no, this was Don Henley's band. I... I Oh, no, not without question, he wouldn't have. And, and and
1: Henley would have said the same thing. Real quick, yes. they're already at the top of the hour, and they're going to have to
0: do Is a Nuggets layoff going to hurt them? No, I don't think so. They're just getting uh, primed up, ready to go. Plus, hopefully it'll wear out the other team. Yeah, we're hoping for that, too. And
1: hopefully they get the home court. That's the only reason I want uh, the Heat to win. All right, let me close this out so you can talk about it. All right, thanks. You bet. we're gonna close it out we're here every Saturday from 9 to 11 join us if you like this follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom outdoors follow us our music on Wickstrom and uh, Dovereth on your favorite streaming service or on your favorite uh, social media we'll let the Eagles take us to the top there, there is no time left but we'll go to we'll, we'll go to mr. Dan Jacobs of sports and 1043 the fan.
2: Welcome to the Hotel California.